got solar panels coming out. It's got a comms. I'm sorry, I need to stop you. Yeah. When you said general makeup, I decided that that was like a Barbie in the military character. (laughs) (laughs) Continue. I'm sorry. I just had to pop up to share that. Jesus Christ, Doc. You disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida. And this week's episode is Enemy of the State. Because we're going three for three for Will Smith's good movies. (laughs) We had Independence Day, Men in Black, Trifecta, Enemy of the State. And that's pretty much... And after that, I would say Will Smith kind of, I don't know, something. Hey. In my, I, in my opinion, his movies never after really, After that, like, he grew and he did other things. Good, you Pursuit of happiness? Hello. Sure. That was like... I just can't, I can't of... even deal with that movie. That toilet scene with them crying. I can't. Like, I can't. I actually, we can't talk about it because I start crying immediately. Move on. Move on. Quick. Anyways. All right. Um, in the spirit of keeping the preamble to a minimum... Do you have any any news, Abby? Anything? I don't have news, but I've got something that I need to say about the last episode. Oh yeah, shit, go. Yeah, no, it's fine. It might I might have actually edited it all out now, but <laughs> I just want to say if I didn't edit all the bits out, or if in a future episode, a future time, people hear the full version. Um, I am aware that at times I may say instead of H1N1, N1H1, it's just a stupid mistake. I know it's H1N1. I don't know why I did it. Everything I had written down said H1N1, but for some inexplicable reason, every now and then I just went N1H1 and then heard it afterwards and thought, you're an idiot. So yeah, I just want to acknowledge it. Hi. So good. Are we, are we, um, are we acknowledging that we're back from a break, a little break? Do we mention that? Yes. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I totally forgot about we're it. We're back from a we break. We recorded it before we took a break. We took the break. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to figure out. I mean, we're kind of like, we are full-time actual scientists, unlike Dr. Carl. Yeah. And so <gasps> we tra- sorry, we're trying to figure out uh, how to fit everything in. We love the podcast so much. We're trying to like figure out how to schedule it in the best possible way so we can keep bringing you content on the regular. But, yeah. you know, we've got a... So we're doing cycles now, aren't we? We're doing cycles, cycles and we'll take a little break at the end of each cycle. That is exactly. I know. <laughs> we're on our cycle now. We're on our. <laughs> yeah. Day one of our cycle. It is day one of our cycle. <laughs> um, I've got, actually got a, I've got a, what are you drinking, Abby? I'm drinking coffee. I'm drinking. A very, very large mug of coffee, which I'm very happy about. If you could see it right now, Frida can see the size of my mug. It's a good European mug and I am drinking vodka, lime and soda. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's great. A she's lot not, of pulp. It's not even just it's not even casual wine here, man. She's no. going straight in for the vodka. Out with the vodka lime soda. Classic. Such a basic bitch drink. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Uh, you want to take this hey, outside? we are what we are. <laughs> yeah, we can try. I'll see you in 24 hours. <laughs> it's it's low calorie. 
It's low calorie. Yeah. Sorry to yeah, yeah, no, that's true. All right, I'm giving you an episode summary. Oh, there's a bit of science news. Just want, I know we don't want to date it, but did you see the pictures of the Mars rover that landed? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, just that. Okay, I just want to say the, that, that it's related. the meme? Yeah, what meme? The the memes of them then showing and what's really behind it, and it's just a bunch of aliens holding up a picture of the <laughs> landscape in front of the camera. That's really good. <laughs> it actually it's I wish relevant. they'd been the Martians from Mars Attacks. I'm going to say... Seg- <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna segue to- into the episode because wait because ma- we have to toast. What are we toast? Oh so shoot! Drinks. We have to toast. Well, it's very dull and boring. We're toasting to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not dull and boring, but it's where I live, and it's the next on the list. So there's no other way that we can say it other than cheers, mate. So yeah, I, I mean, this mate. is getting very monotonous. Every country just I know the, the next one's thing. different. The next one's different because I know Canada? what the next one is. No. It's Ireland. I know it's Ireland. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and Irish people know how to toast. Sorry. Yeah, we do. All right. So, she says with her big mug of coffee. Okay, segue, please. I'm segueing because the Mars rover has all these maps of Mars uploaded and it uses like image recognition mm-hmm. to guide itself. It's like fully automated. That's wild. And the image recognition <laughs> does come into this movie. So... Let's start the summary. Are you ready? (laughs) I am ready. It's 1998, when Americans could still be polite and question whether or not they really want the government surveilling them. And we meet well-meaning goose scientist Daniel Zavitz, the hero of our film. His motion-activated goose cameras unknowingly capture the murder of Congressman Phil Hammersley by the henchmen of John Voight's NSA director, Thomas Reynolds. Who would like to use a satellite to read the time off your wristwatch? Thank you very much. Pretty soon, he has the entire power of the NSA on Daniel Zavitz to stop the tape from being released by lefty internet publishers. That's when Daniel Zavitz dumps the tape on poor labor lawyer Robert Dean before being killed by a fire truck. (laughs) Now, Bobby Dean is pulled into the web and has no one to turn to but Grumpy Brill, an ex-NSA analyst who runs intel from his Faraday cage. Together, they fight back and turn the government's own weapons against them. And this movie was directed by Tony Scott, who knows how to make a chase scene. (laughs) Okay, so I just want to say that when I was like a teenager, this was my favorite, absolute favorite movie. Like as a teenager, this was it for me. This was peak cinema. <laughs> Abby, did you watch that's this? When very, you were, that's were you really you? Unex- unexpected. Just really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Say it again. I won't. Go. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> I mean, so go, that's, yeah. that's really unexpected out of you. I don't know why, but I just feel like that you, the person I know right now, <laughs> that this was your favorite movie as a teenager. I don't know why. I'm just like... Just feels super random. I was a pretty, like, basic teenager. I just wasn't. I didn't. I hadn't, there was nothing cool about me. I listened to. You hadn't, you I hadn't to- developed into your eccentricity yet. I hadn't developed my <laughs> tastes. My tastes. <laughs> Any tastes. <laughs> but it, I think. I mean, I've now I've rewatched it, and I did send you a message saying I've I've now ruined like my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> as a child. <laughs> 
that um by picking a picking it apart unfortunately but um I'm did you watch this when you were young was you were you was a no younger? I had I'd never seen this before so I weird I don't know how it was just one of those movies that just kind of like it came out and it was there and I knew it existed but I just never got around to watching it hmm so yeah I really liked it yeah it's a good movie do you know what I liked the best right because I firstly because we're on a theme now where of me recognizing these things because of you I looked at it and I was like it's two hours and 20 minutes long man it's a fucking long movie was it what the frick but that was the thing then when you watch it the pace of the movie is so quick it is that it doesn't take a breath so you kind of don't even know you're never stuck in a long it's not like it's a long movie and there's all these dragged out moments where you're just kind of like oh would it just move on with the plot it's always moving on so it's good yeah enjoyed it yeah i think that's that's the direction the pace and the the quick cuts there's like an enormous amount of cuts Mm. in every in a lot of the scenes so it feels like it's happening very very quickly my best thing about the movie is every fucking thing with Regina King and every yeah. fucking thing with Lisa Bonet. For it, oh, all can the, I say? All, yeah. You, yeah. You know, the way I'm obsessed with the CinemaSins um, YouTube chat, uh, they oh, do yeah. everything wrong with every movie and they do like in 15 minutes and it's just quick. They just skim through the movie and they just tag and count up a counter of everything where it's kind of like you know this is stupid this is shit this how did you do that and on this one when it gets to lisa bonet it just goes oh shit i didn't know lisa bonet was in this movie um okay so nothing wrong here moving along <laughs> she is perfection <laughs> it's, it's great she's <laughs> all. just she is perfect she is She's Regina perfect. King has not received the recognition that she deserves only until recent years. It's like people suddenly kind of realized Reg- Regina King was a force. And it's like, she's always been a force. You just didn't give her the fucking time of day. Oh my God. Tell me about it. Yeah. Black women. Seriously. Mm. There's only, she is so funny, but also like their whole banter between her and Will Smith, every conversation yeah. between them, every scene between them. They're so funny. They're cute. They tease each other. That fight scene, which one between them, their argument. Oh, I thought that was like the best acted moment in the whole oh, movie. About when they're like, um, "We went to therapy for a year." That yeah. one, yeah, it was just so real. They, it was just, it was a proper. It was like this is a real couple having a real bitch ass fight right now. So yeah, I was down for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Everything to do with Regina King and Lisa Bonet, yeah. and I we could have done pain. with more of them. Yeah, I also loved, I think one of my, also, I just love the lingerie scene, but I always, when he's just like struggling to buy her lingerie. Yeah. And and the lady's like, is this how, is this your wife's size? And she's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's not how it works, but okay. <laughs> but I love that scene a lot. Um, well, okay, we've started a bit of a cast chat. I mean, but. Um, so let's let's move on about the cast. The cast is really really crazy. I'm just gonna fly mm. through who's in this movie, oh and God, a, f- so a few of them will come up later, I guess. Um, but just a quick quick stop for Gene Hackman. Quick stop, yeah. Quick stop because hey Gene, movie- it's good. The movie is good because of Gene Hackman. Like if it wasn't for Gene Hackman, yeah. it, it wouldn't be good. Is is good because of him, even though he comes in like halfway through the movie. Um, all right, who else is in this movie? I'm just going to do a real quick one. I already mentioned John Voight, and then there's a really great Gabriel Byrne. Is he Irish? 
Yes. It's um, like Gabriel Byrne just randomly came up out of nowhere and then he was just gone and never seen again. And it was like, that's okay. First of all, that's all you use Gabriel Byrne for. But then also that's genius that that's all you use Gabriel Byrne for. I know. Wasn't <laughs> so, it? Because great. that's what I was thinking, because you you think he's brill because he's such a big actor that you assume that's yes. brill. It's, it really fucks with your head. That was really yeah. great. It was like a really it good was, trick to yeah. pull. All right, who else is Loren Dean? His there's a lot of people that are like really '90s people that didn't do much after the '90s. Just want to say Loren Dean is one of them. He's from Gattaca, and then there's Barry Pepper, who is uh, good old Private Ryan, and then Jake oh. Boozy, who's just from stuff, and then Jason yeah. Lee, and Jack Black, random. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy, hello again. Repeat. No, it's the, I never expected we'd have a Jamie Kennedy repeat, so this is interesting. Seth Green. Yeah. And then Anna Gunn is in this. Like, Anna Gunn is in this. And she plays Skylar White from Breaking Bad, but she's, she rocks up as John Voight's oh. much younger wife. And then Ian Hart, who is also a hello again, Ian Hart. Do you know what Ian, Ian Hart has also been in? Um, No. He's Professor Quirrell. Oh, wow. I know. Yes. Oh, my God. Now I can totally see his face. Yeah, his face. Now I can see it. That's such a random connection. I know. Um, I think that's the people, that's the cast members that I thought Mm. of mentioning. There's other people that I don't really know who they are. Jason Robards is the guy who plays the, the Hammersley at the beginning. Anyway, I think that's that's all I, the people. Is anyone else? Have I missed someone? Um, no, I, I just have something that I need to say. And oh. the people out there who, if you know, you know. Um, some of you actually might not know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, what? No. Okay, so, well, because Frida has this thing of, you know, it, it come, it's back to our Independence Day episode with James Redhorn. So if you haven't listened to previous episodes, Frida has this thing about the fact that James Redhorn is this actor who she specifically had to learn the name of because he's in everything that she sees. And he's like, I need to know who that guy's name is because he keeps popping up in all this stuff. So we have a hashtag, my James Redhorn. So you tell us who your James Redhorn is, who's the actor that comes up and up in things. And as, as you mentioned, it's a very 90s cast and it's a very 90s vibe. And there's a certain class of the type of movie and TV shows that would have come around. And if we talk like like Buffy, um, any Kevin Smith movie, <laughs> anything like that. So if you know, you know, hashtag my James Redhorn, Jason Lee, Seth Green, Bodie Elfman. That's all I got to say. I don't know what it means. <laughs> um, themes. Okay. Themes of this movie. This movie is a very, it's, it's, it's a very famous movie theme. It's the pursued man. It's actually just a man mm-hmm. who's just going about his day and by accident he gets caught up in all this thing and now he's on the run. And it, that movie, that was really popularized by North, by Northwest. It's a Hitchcock film. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of what the mil- film's really about. That's like the thing that, but there are other themes, I suppose. There's, there's themes here. Privacy. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there that's are. about it. Um, but uh, if, if, if that's kind of the theme, well, who cares about that? Because what we're here for is our tropes of the week. <laughs> Abby, give me a film trope of the week. Go. 
I'm very excited about my trope because I've made up my own one (laughs) and it has two parts. (laughs) So my trope of the week is 90s Will Smith can only make buddy comedies with older white dudes. So in 1995... I'll tell you. In 1995, he released Bad Boys with Martin Lawrence, which was the only true buddy action movie. Then in he finishes with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in 1996. Then, 1996, Independence Day, paired with Jeff Goldblum, 16 years older. 1997, Men in Black, paired with Tommy Lee Jones, 22 years older. 1998, Enemy of the State, paired with Gene Hackman, 39 years older. 1999, Wild Wild West, paired with Kevin Klein, 21 years older. That was and the then in 2000, time. The Legend of Bagger Vance came out and the spell was broken. <laughs> then do you want to know what my second part of the trope is? You just mentioned Wild Wild West, so we just, everything that movie was just <laughs> okay. the worst decision ever. We just have to pause <laughs> on that for one second. That was where it all went wrong. Uh, yeah, what was the second we part? We can do that. <laughs> Klein, isn't he a doctor? Isn't wow, Brad's wow, wow. character a doctor? No, I don't know. Crazy steampunk scientist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's, like the second, what's part two? I love it, yeah. I'll, uh, can I? Part two. Part, part two is us doing 90s Will Smith buddy comedies <laughs> with ultra white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will Smith, eh? But it's like he did, that was him trope. in the 90s and then suddenly in the 2000s he could only do movies where he was at the front and fucking center. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Which is fair because deserved. <laughs> it's like... But I mean, if you only insist on doing movies that you're the absolute front and center of it, then you're kind of limiting yourself to a certain degree. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's insisted that, but like, it's just, it was just like the nineties just was this land of like, it's fun. It's like men in black or independence day happened. And we're like, Hey, people think that's funny. And then men in black, that's still funny. Like, let's just keep, cause Will Smith pairs against an old grumpy white guy very well, Mm. (laughs) or like an anxious or like, an old white guy who's a bit like stressy he pairs again like he plays off it really well but it's it's also i just thought it was funny but my my trope my trope is super light my trope is super light my trope was animals reacting to shit yeah (laughs) oh oh no stop the dog at the start my little heart that fucking dog i'm sorry (laughs) that fucking fucking dog Firstly, there's a lot of, yeah, there's just a lot of animals reaction shots of like stuff will happen and they'll cut to the cat and the cat's like, or they'll cut to the dog and the dog's like, I just thought that'll be my trope. But those animals, there was a lot of like animal centric stuff. I did really like though, when they were like fleeing Brill's house and he like locked the door on Will Smith. And so Will Smith knocks and like shows the cat and he's like, all right, get in. Yeah, it was like, fuck that guy, but I want my cat. Yeah. <laughs> it was very good. I liked it. All right. Will Smith, <clears throat> animal reaction shots, good tropes. <laughs> Super diverse tropes this week. Okay. We're definitely flying through. So I think we have to promise that we'll have some good content in the next couple of sections. And yeah. we do. Yay. Starting with our first science theme section, we'll talk about there's a couple of environments of science. Uh, there's three that I counted. Well, well, there's four, including the lake. 
<laughs> I don't know why I'm fixated on Jason Lee as Daniel Zavitz, but he's just this innocent goose scientist yeah. with his little with his little camera on the lake, and well, with his little boots. He's like, yeah, <laughs> and he's one of those things where. For me, because Jason Lee, in, in the type of stuff I would have watched in the 90s, is a really big, like, name to me. I expect, I thought he was, like, one of the leads and was just in the movie the whole way through. So I was really shook. <laughs> well, Wait, what just happened? Where's Jason shocking. Lee gone? <laughs> so that, that's what? our little side bit environment of science. Is, this is just goose migration, man. Like, that's just fine. <laughs> but the three that I had was the NSA... The Dork Van, as I call it, and Classic. the House of the Brill. So starting House with the, the NSA, as super high tech, it's super chaotic. There's so many cuts, you can't really tell what's going on or I couldn't really see. Mm. But I just, one thing that was interesting to me about that environment of science that I wanted to uh, point out was that we kind of see that in this environment, it's like the government commissions certain experimental technologies not necessarily intending it to be used and that was the case with these bugs that they was commissioned and but they weren't deployed and so that's why the head of the the NSA was extremely upset and distressed that it was being seen out in the field and it reminded me a little bit of that paralyzer thing that we talked about on Iron Man. Yes. Where it's like, yes. oh, we developed that thing, but like no one ever really wanted to buy it. It's like that uh, people will develop like super experimental technologies, not necessarily intending to use it just yet, but like eventually right. everything eventually gets used. Yeah. That was my That's impression. That's really good. About I didn't, I never even, I never even thought about that. I never even. I kind of didn't follow it properly in terms of like that kind of connection. I, there was definitely moments in that environment where I was just like, when it finally got to the end and Bulldog was there talking about um, giving out about the stuff, you know, it was just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, um, yeah, I totally. I, know I was mean. just kind of like, oh, okay, what's what's happening here? Um, so I didn't pick up on that at all. That's really interesting. I never thought about the fact that they have all these like. They must just have so many gadgets just yes. lying around the place. That's just like, oh, can I see them? Yeah, I think that they develop a whole lot of shit. But that, that was like my only kind of, I think the movie was like, it's all these side plots that just existed to feed the main plot were super, super confusing. Yeah. But did you want the, it, did you have any impressions of the NSA as an environment of I, science? I have one thing that drove me crazy. Please. Like, I love the whole like the bullpen area like the with all the screens up Mm -hmm. and everything and that felt really kind of like that vibe of people working in technology and surveillance and and everyone's kind of got a load of stuff going on and people are really concentrating. What drove me mad was that like these guys are this is not a authorized mission. Like this is (laughs) What they're doing is not authorized in any way. There's a huge amount of people involved in this completely unauthorized mission using all of this technology. And we'll get to stuff like that, I know, in a while. But what drove me mad was there's one scene where it's like they're all sat in a boardroom. And I'm like, you're all sat in a boardroom at the NSA casually chatting about what you're going to do about the fact that you murdered a congressman and there's a videotape of it. And you're having this conversation in the boardroom office at the fucking NSA. That just felt a little bit like, 
I really, really. That's such a good point that they're doing it all in the bullpen as well. I. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, that's You're a really, really good point. So like, yeah, that was all, my all, only thing. <laughs> all these people that they, you know, they know and they they know that it isn't a training exercise, especially Jack Black. Um, you know, he's saying, "What do we say is the, is the reason?" Um, but that we can segue now about talk about the dork fan, what I call the dork fan. Um, I the, love it. the thing about the dork fan, I guess, the is nerd that mobile. the nerd mobile is that um, <laughs> they had to stay within a thousand feet because the bugs that were on um, the bugs that were on Will Smith mm. were GPS trackers that that are a thousand yard range or whatever it is. So that in order to read the signal of where he was, they had to be within a thousand yards. So they they receive the GPS coordinates and then they transmit a thousand yard range signal as to like where Will Smith is. So their little van basically had to follow Will Smith. Right. That was my understanding of why they were in a van. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Do you agree I with think me? So okay. Yeah, I mean, I presume they did seem to have quite a lot of technology on that van. <laughs> that I, I, what? Like, yeah, I guess so. Isn't that what they do in surveillance anyway? They just have like a van where they just follow people around a truck thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I suppose that, that seems like you've seen that in every fucking cop show in the world, right? Yeah, vans. Um, yeah, pretend to be like a flower van. <laughs> They're yeah. very... Clearly, I did. I did really like that scene when he called in the. Oh yeah, he called totally. in the van. I just thought that was very clever. I was like, "Well done." I think they're doing drugs. Yeah, so they have this van, yeah. and they're all inside the van. Um, we'll mention their names in, in a minute. The third environment of science is Brill's house. Oh my god, and, I love it. And the last part of the movie, the third well, it's like the guess the middle act, if I'm really. But they arrive at Brill's house, where it's like it's so he basically describes that he's surrounded by a it's cage. It's his office, isn't it? It's his office. Yeah, his yeah. office. Um, so that it blocks out electromagnetic signals, uh, which would make it a Faraday cage. I don't think he mentions that exactly. And inside yeah, that is where he does all his research. Um, you know, and that's what he does for a living. He gets information and he's, he sort of sells it. He does research on people and gets information off of people. Um, but do you know... Independent spy. Independent. He's, oh yeah, exactly. Independent <laughs> spy. Or he's like, I don't know if you've seen... Um, Freelance spy. If you've, wa- if you've read or watched Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but... Yeah. That's oh, what yeah. Lisbeth does. She's like a freelance yeah. hacker. Um, and everyone just sort of turns a blind eye to the fact that she's clearly doing illegal things, but she's yeah. really good at doing research on people. Um, so do you know what a Faraday... You, I'm sure you know what a Faraday cage is. I, I mean, like I've got a rough idea. You. No, but I think you should. Okay, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> it's basically, it just shields all its context from electromagnetic fields. And it does this by distributing all the charge. So we're constantly surrounded by electromagnetic radiation from all sorts of things. My phone's giving off. I'm, I'm receiving it from a million places. Um, and so what it does is it's basically built kind of like a, a cage and it distributes all the charge around the cage exterior. So it just basically distributes all the charge surrounding me onto the cage so that inside the cage there's an absence of electromagnetic fields. Um, and it's kind of like a hollow conductor. 
Um, and the, and you know what? It actually comes up again, Faraday Cage. Kind of. Kind of. Because there's a scene with good old Brill oh, yes. and he's constantly eating chips. And I just want to say, by the way, real quick, that I've 20 years ago it was true and it's true today. 20 years? Am I, 20 years? 19? 18? 20 fucking years. It was true. <laughs> good math. And it's still true today. That it makes me really hungry watching this movie and all I want to eat yeah. is pretzels. Ah, pretzels. Interesting. I've gotten a bit obsessed with pretzels as well. This whole thing with Brill and his hunger pains, like the whole way through the movie, I was just like, I understand him. I understand him. I'll be right back. A few moments later... She didn't. She just brought back a bag of pretzels. <laughs> I did. These little pretzels reserved for... I just said in the thing, if she doesn't come back with the t-shirt that says, I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry, I'm going to be really disappointed. These are the pretzels reserved for a rough some snacks before. I love it. Before well theatre. <laughs> We've started buying a lot of pretzels, actually. I'm, I'm into, I haven't made them in a while, though, so I'm going to have to try to make them soon. Pretzels are the, are the tits. You've had my first attempt. You've eaten my first attempt at, at pretzels. Pretzels with chocolate chips in them, if you recall. <coughs> now I'm going to cough. <coughs> but what I wanted to say about the chips, what I wanted to say about his chips packet is that he takes his chips and then he throws the chips on top of will smith rude and then yeah, he puts, why did you not just eat them puts i know I, i'm pretty sure the, that's not what you meant but okay <laughs> oh, rude to the chips he puts the bugs inside the aluminium packet yes. it's with itself actually like a faraday cage um, to block out the signal. That's the thing, because I was like, I was like, there's very clearly a very, very clever reason for this right now. But oh, I was just like, this. It was just one of those weird moments where you're kind of like, this looks like this is very like I understand this somewhere in my mind is saying, yeah, that totally makes sense. But my brain doesn't understand why I think that that makes sense. And now you've explained it, so now I know why. I actually found an article about. An Australian electrician. So an Australian electrician obviously worked for a company and he had a GPS tracker so that the company could keep track of, you know, where he was on his jobs. So it was discovered that he put his uh, tracking device in a twisties packet (laughs) so he could play a round of golf. And he was subsequently fired. If anyone is not Australian, Twisties is just the national snack. (laughs) I never had them. I didn't even know that was a thing. They're great. Okay. Those are our environments of science. And now we're going to talk about our scientists. Um, Daniel Zabbitt's number one. And then we have, our, we'll talk about our tech docs and I want to hear about how you felt about our tech docs. We had um, Jamie Kennedy, Seth Green in the van or doing, you know, Elfman, but he just disappeared after a while. 
and we a Brody Elfman and then Jack Black is like the head of the, the head of them I guess and Jack Black sort of at the end even gets his gun and goes in goes into the shootout that crazy hilarious. shootout at the end of the movie but yeah we had a lot of dorks here I feel like Seth Green was like the 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 dorks dork but what what did you think about our, our <laughs> the leader of the dorks um what did you think about our our dork team our dork van uh, like I said, hashtag my James Redborn. Uh, or dork team. I just, I don't know. I just feel like, would this really happen in the NSA? Like, would you have people, even on a, you know, uh, training exercise, would you have people out who are technically in the field who don't appear to have, like, some really snap... Tra- I don't know. It just seems really random. Well, well I, it's like they had no... It's like they found people with, like, no moral compass. It's like none of them had any... They all knew that it wasn't a training exercise, but I feel like Seth Green as well, he's, like, this nerd without a soul. It's like they're it all like these nerd... And they, yes, exactly. It, and they just... It's like a game, and it's like a video game, and they love it, and they, like, don't give a shit, and they think it's hilarious. And, like, even they find them laughing, you know, they're, like, laughing at him. Oh, he's taking yeah. off... Uh, I found them to be like a psycho. They're just total psychopaths, right? And then the two military dudes, oh, the two with the hair. It was just like, and my thing, my biggest issue with it, I think, was that the whole way through, the entire cast of them, the people doing this thing, are all so young. Like they are so young. There is no way that these guys are experienced enough. Or involved enough to be trusted with something yeah. so completely discreet and yeah, it's the, like a, uh, off the books vibe. It's it just feels like would you would you grab some random young fellas that you don't know and be like, hey, they were in the army, they can do this. But they were also had a dishonorable discharge or whatever. It's like the the military yeah. people make sense that they were dishonorably discharged and so they had military training, but they obviously were in trouble okay. or troublemakers but yeah it's like that he had all this access and he gave it to all these they're, they're like his goons basically they're all like his yeah. goons they're like this <gasps> goon squad all the, Visit from the goon squad <laughs> book. they're all they're like all his goons are all these like shitty people who are his goons and they do whatever yeah. he wants and they have absolutely no soul and they don't care <laughs> it's pretty brutal um yeah. but just about brill so oh, yeah. something about because brill is like our main dude um mm. This distrusting guy who's who's sort of been it on the other side of things. He knows how corrupt the government is about all of these things, and now he's like uh, busy fucking it all over. Um, what did you feel about Brill's character? I loved him. He was amazing. He, like he was kind of an. Uh, I, is this the right way to say it? An antihero. You know that oh, like yeah, he totally. was. Yeah, that he was, he's like, I don't want to fucking help you. I don't want to get involved. You did this to you. You're a stranger to me. Why am I supposed to fucking rescue you and pull all this fucking shit out of the bag for you? Like, it's, I just want to get away from these fuckers. And I kind of, I felt like his anger was justified. Yeah. And his reluctance to want to help was justified. But then it was also like, well, I have the skill set and now you've dragged me into it. And now I have to fucking do something about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love the couple of scenes with them. Um, for example, when he's saying, why are they after you? Why are they after you? What do you have? And he's like, I don't know. Nothing. I don't know. And anything. It's such a good scene. They mm. like they play off each other so well. Yeah. I loved all those scenes with them. I really, yeah. really did. And then when they That's buddy so up together as well, it's like their scenes are totally amazing. 
Um, but I just wanted to say that I think that Brill, there's a big parallel you can draw here to Edward Snowden. I don't know if you know yes. much about Edward Snowden, but um, not going I, in loads, but would you know much about him? I know that I know that he worked for the NSA and released documents that he felt that the people should know. And that's literally my entire knowledge. So Edward Snowden was an analyst for the CIA and the NSA like Brill. And so he knew all the government secrets about, you know, their um, infringement of the privacy of Americans. But unlike Brill, Snowden actually went to the press and blew the whistle, whereas Brill obviously just quit and went into hiding, effectively. Um, So Snowden blew the whistle. And then under Barack Obama, um, he was prosecuted for espionage, even though... It was espionage, like, to Americans about American things. Um, That's so interesting because it's like, I suppose it's that thing where you're stuck in like a, a legal kind of, I don't know, like a legal well of some sort maybe, where it's kind of like you've got, someone has done something illegal, they've done it for a noble reason, and the reason is in support of the American people, but it's still doing something that is, completely illegal against it. I yeah I don't know it's like how do you deal with that yeah because well, then a, if you kind of go yeah because then if you kind of go like oh that that's okay then then it's kind of like it doesn't yeah. encourage other people but then isn't the issue really in the fact that you should be looking at what the shady shit people were doing that caused there to have to be a whistleblower in the first place so I don't know yeah but it's just it's just it's just against such massive powers that it's not going to turn out well for you um yeah but this, so it's, and it's really funny because when you watch this movie, knowing then what we know now, and I'll, um, and I'll dive into the science now because I wanted to start the science section with just a couple of things about this movie that have like really turned out to be awfully true today. Um, and it's funny because watching this movie and then watching everything that's happened since then and then thinking about Edward Snowden. In the context of all of that, and ultimately, I mean, he did a good thing, in my opinion, um, but it's never going to turn out well for him. But things I wanted Mm -hmm. to say, lines out of this movie that have really awfully correct. Number one, the more technology you use, the easier it is to keep tabs of you. A line that has aged so brutally well, it hurts. (laughs) It hurts <laughs> thinking of the amount of technology that was back in 98 and it's just, it's yeah. and another thing which has aged is <laughs> when the buildings start blowing up, people's priorities changed. They say 1998. I mean, oh my God. it's crazy because this was pre 9-11. That's why I said in the yeah. summary where it's like back then it was like having a conversation about whether it's okay to surveil people was like still okay to have. After 9-11, yeah. it was like you couldn't even have the conversation because, of course, they're going to surveil everybody. Um, and it, it is exactly what happened. And I don't know if you noticed when you watch this movie, but John Voight's character, what's his birthday? Oh, no, I don't remember. 9-11, 1940. <gasps> no. I'm fucking serious. No. Oh, my God. That is trippy. It was a plot. It was a plot. It was a plot. Headphones are off. <laughs> Sorry. I said it was a plot, obviously. Yeah. It's the proof. John Boyd. Anyway, science in this movie. Um, 
There's a few things. So we've talked about surveillance and the satellite technology is relevant to that. Um, and so we'll definitely talk a bunch about that in a bit. But I just we have to get something out of the way like right fucking now. Okay? There's a scene in this movie. Do you know what I'm going to say? Do you know what I'm about to talk about? The fucking scene in this movie. And we've talked about Jack Black being like the head honcho dork van person. There's a scene <laughs> in this movie which has aged shockingly. Or has it? Um, and it's the scene with the image reconstructed. It's oh, the yeah. scene with the zoom enhanced <laughs> on the shopping bag of the lingerie store, which is just me. so bad and yet so good. And <laughs> there's so many things I want to say about that scene from the fact that every keystroke makes a beep, beep, every fucking keystroke. Zoom in, beep, 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 beep. From Jack Black's voice, it's like, Hey, get through frame by frame and go in on the shadow. Like the whole thing is so <laughs> absurd. But this is this is the scene. He goes like this. He's like, you rotate seventy five degrees around the vertical. Beep boop beep boop boop. Zoom times ten. Beep beep. Enhance. Go through frame by frame. Beep 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 beep. Go in on the shadow. Beep 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 beep. And then, so this is them zoom in hand, zoom in hands, but then it gets really crazy when they're like, can you look about what's on the other side of the bag? And this is a lingerie store where there's, there's one camera in this lingerie store. It's like this lingerie store has like three points of CCTV cameras. There's one. And he's like, and John Wood's like, by the way, and this is this is very accurate because this is all these like young tech people. And then this is old guy going, can you tell me what's on the other side of it? And, and Jack Black is like, you can hypothesize. And he's like, go in around the vertical. And then he goes around or whatever it is. And they go to the other side of the bag to give the other perspective of the bag shape. Right? It's so <laughs> fucked up. It's so, it's what, tell me your impressions about, about this scene. Go on. Why do you need this entire fucking thing to show that there's Oh, uh, you see, there wasn't something there, and now there is a shape. There is and something like, there. There's only one place in the entire room. Like you just need to look at one camera to look and go, where could he have put it? Hey, maybe he dropped it in the fucking bag. You don't need this. It's useless. I know it's so unnecessary. They showed it just just to show off the technology that doesn't even exist. But I, <laughs> but I wanted to look into it. Like, could it exist? Of course, you did. <laughs> I looked into it. <laughs> I really needed to look into it. So I was like trying to figure out like what what can be similar to this? Like what could do this? And so I did find a few things, okay? Rotate 73 around the vertical, zoom 10%, enhance. By the way, the whole zoom, enhance, zoom, enhance. That's just an amazing cliche. And there's, um, I'm going to put like a super cut of different TV shows and cop shows with people yeah. saying zoom, enhance. It's so hilarious. Um, Please do. <laughs> So, so there, there are a few things that it can be. Um, number one is, um, hang on a minute. Number one, okay. Number one is there is content aware fill, and that's something even in Photoshop. Like, if you want to remove somebody from the foreground of an image, that Photoshop is able to infer what would be behind that person based on the landscape. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, I think so. So that's something that exists already. And also the other thing that exists and people, you know, they're training neural networks to do this is you take an image and you just scrub a bunch of it out and you feed the image into this algorithm and it can like fill in all the bits pretty right. well. So that that's possible. Like filling shit in that isn't there is possible. Uh, but this is a little bit more sophisticated than that. And then for that, I found something that is called 3D reconstruction, where they infer the 3D geometry and structure of objects just from one 2D image. Okay. So I just want to say very quickly about image reconstruction problems. So trying to infer 3D geometry from a 2D image is actually what's known as an ill-posed problem. Have you come across ill-posed problems before? A it's a lot of machine learning problems are called ill-posed. A well-posed problem is something which is, which is in a lot of maths problems as opposed to machine learning problems is that a solution exists, it's unique, and the solution changes continuously with the initial conditions. Okay, like if you change the constant, you change the solution or whatever it is. Inverse problems are usually ill-posed because you're basically trying to f reconstruct something from the output and the solution will change uh, so much with changes in the data. So that's what's called an ill-posed problem. The thing about ill-posed problems is that humans are really, really good at solving ill-posed inverse problems because we can leverage prior knowledge, right? If we right. see the front of a bag, we can infer what the back of the bag looks like we can infer the rough uh, approximate size a geometry of an object just with our eye based on previous experience so the idea is like can you transfer this to a machine in order to from experience infer the shape of an object um, and so there is a generation of image reconstruction stuff which tries to leverage like prior knowledge um, and formulate the 3d reconstruction more as like a recognition problem um, and it's becoming, it's, it's all this deep learning and there's lots of training data sets available in order to do that. So there is like a new generation of methods that is able to get 3D geometry and structure of objects from single images without having like a big complex camera calibration thing, like having many cameras around it, like, you know, in, um, in the matrix, the bullet time thing. Um, right. So there is, it is becoming possible. However, I call absolute fucking bullshit on moving around and showing another axis <laughs> on the image. I think that that is just way too far, way too far. And in 1998, no way. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was going to ask you. I was like, I mean, we understand this now about like, you know, advancements in machine learning and deep learning and stuff like that. So, but what was it in 1998? Like what? No way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not way? No way. <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah. I don't Very think nice that kind of deep you. learning stuff. I don't know when that stuff started to come in prominence, but it probably was existing. I just think that the technology that we have. Excuse me. I have fucking pretzels. Frida, stop. Yeah, stop. Well, stop. Stop. <laughs> it's because you're drinking vodka, you fool. Now you're like vodka. Now you need salt. Just put in the oh, pub in your room, aren't terrible. you? <laughs> um, so the thing about the technology that we have now the hardware we have mm. now the hardware that can process this stuff quickly that would be called right. a parallel uh, computing process uh, uh, parallel computing uh, hardware bits and for example the gpu is the graphics processing uh, unit that is able to use parallel leverage parallel processing to be able to 
do these um, advanced processing jobs on images. And I mean, those things are first implemented in computer games, because obviously, but now they're super available. And that's why we've been able to do these deep learning models that take loads and loads of images and, and train a network to be able to do image recognition. It's because we now have the hardware to do so. And I'm not sure back in 1998, whether or not that kind of hardware was as available, maybe NSA would have had it. But the big change now is basically, now we can actually do it quickly. Whereas back then, okay. we wouldn't have been able to do it quickly. Now we can train yeah. things in a few hours. Maybe it would have taken days back then um, right. in order to do that. So um, that's my kind of summary of image reconstruction stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. it. Do you want to <laughs> add anything on that topic? Uh, no, no. Right. I just was, yeah, I just lolled. <laughs> I lolled at that one. Can I, can I, can I pee? Uh, you definitely pay. I'm going to go get another drink. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on from abortion imagery, construction technology, which definitely doesn't exist. <laughs> I tried really hard to make it exist. Um, there's another big science theme happening here, and that is uh, surveillance. Um, specifically by satellites. I had a very small comment about surveillance technology mm. just because there was something in the news and that is and I mentioned it before is that they develop these technologies and I'm just saying if and then they don't intend to use it and then eventually they use it but also every technology that exists it seems like it eventually gets used to watch people <laughs> and in the news you know those robot dogs that was doing the rounds on social media yeah. on sharing Boston Robotics Boston Robotics dog mm. Um, well, Boston it, Dynamics, actually, sorry. Boston Dynamics, um, that the NYPD has purchased one and it has been caught, like, out surveilling and people kind of went nuts over it, is that the NYPD has decided <laughs> that this is the right time in history to spend a whole lot of money <laughs> on, a, on a robot dog to surveil people. I mean, it's it's a super. So a lot of people are actually super angry about it. Um, but it just shows you <laughs> that technology, which you know, people had a lot of PR about how cute it was or how cre- creepy it was. It's all just fluff um, for us to be comfortable with it, so that it can be used to watch us. <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's just. I don't know. Is that not our future? <laughs> Just, yeah, there we go. We're just done. We're, they, everyone's watching That's everybody. It. But we, th- this was 1998, this movie, and now mm. we have the perspective of what's happened in the past 22 years. So, yeah, it is our future. And speaking of future, I'm going to go back uh, back in time, actually, um, <laughs> and, and start talking about the history of spy satellites because it's actually really, really, really interesting. And I, just, okay. I just want to say of what, what their origin was, U.S. spy satellites, what the origin is, is obviously in the Cold War. Um, yes. Like everything else, interesting. So the USSR launched Sputnik and immediately mm. the U.S. decided <laughs> to find their own because that's how it works. Russia does it first, <laughs> U.S. decides they're going to do it, uh, maybe does it better. Um, so it was actually a secret project dubbed... What was the secret name of this project? Do you know? It's it's a non sequitur, but it is Corona. It was called Corona. Oh, what? Wow. I know. <laughs> I love it. 
Um, and one interesting thing about Corona, I found this really fascinating, is that they obviously used film. They, you know, they censored up with film, and then the film had to be physically retrieved back then. And so the the, the problem of how to physically retrieve the film well, had a really interesting solution, which is that GE designed what was called a film bucket. It was kind of like a, a capsule. Um, which separated from the fa- from the satellite and fell to Earth. And after going through, you know, the atmosphere, it would deploy a parachute. But because of how sensitive the photos are, they didn't want it landing just anywhere. They did these training exercises. They had to try this a lot, where they <laughs> the cap the capsule or film bucket had to be caught mid air by a passing airplane. Wow! Towing <laughs> this claw which was designed <laughs> to winch the film bucket on board. So it had to do maybe a couple of passes um, to try to like hook the bucket. Oh my um, God. On, onto the plane. So interesting. And um, the, that resolution originally was 7.5 meters resolution. And they captured a lot of really useful pictures of the USSR that before that America had no access to. Really interesting. Mm-hmm. And what's what's super cool is that the Clinton administration declassified all of this. This is why we know about this, by the way, in 1992 and released all the images to be used for geological purposes. And so oh. geologists and archaeologists have all found these photos to be actually really, really, really useful. That's so cool. What do you think of that? I th- that's because so, I kind of I knew that there was something about these um Things that would go up and drop down, but I hadn't looked into it at all. So that's really cool. That's so interesting. It is really, oh, I, but really I know cool. that they were like the amount of shit that we'd be up to, like every country's snooping and spying. Like we all do it. We, you know, you all snoop in on your neighbors a little bit. You know, I mean, I listen to the guys downstairs when they're fighting because you know it's entertaining. So it's only human. We like to, we like to, we like to listen in. But, but fast forward to today, I mean, and of course, again, it's classified. We don't know. But I said that 7.5 minutes was the original resolution of Corona. So currently, there, the U.S. government puts limits on um, commercial satellites resolution. And that limit is 25 centimeters. So 25 yeah, centimeters, yeah. as in that's the amount that's caught on Earth, right, per pixel. Um, right. So that means it's enough to make, like, to, if you capture an image of a car, you would m- maybe know the make and the model of the car. Um, oh, cool. And not, not more than that necessarily. We don't know the resolution of military spy satellites. Oh, we can only guess. Bad. However, this is so hilarious. Donald fucking Trump yeah. made a splash. He tweeted <gasps> a picture. Did, did you know about this story? Yes. He tweeted a picture of a failed <laughs> Iran rocket launch. From a satellite. <laughs> I forgot about that. And these, these people, including this <laughs> astronomer called Marco Langbrook, what, from the picture, he was able to figure out that, from, um, that it was from the US 224 spy satellite, which is classified, which is a classified satellite, from the image that was tweeted, um, from the, the features that were on the image itself and from the time of day as well that the image the photo was taken he was able to work it out and work out that the resolution of that image is 10 centimeters but the assumption is that that image that was tweeted is probably 
uh, not not as highly resolved as the original image. <gasps> yes. So we can say it's at least 10 centimetres resolution, um, uh, the US 225 <laughs> spy satellite. I just found that to be amazing and totally hilarious. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. So those are just a few bits and bobs about spy satellites, but... I just had, when I watched this movie, there was one question that I had when, because there was a scene where he says, get us a dedicated satellite. And I was like, how easy would that be? And what does that even mean? Frida. Do you know? Frida. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me right I don't want to shit on your childhood favorite movie. Too late. <laughs> I have some things I'd like to say right now <laughs> about this fucking satellite. <laughs> oh my God. Go on. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, right. People who have been listening to our episodes previously might have realized by now that I am like a little bit of a nerd on maybe for some satellites and spaceflight stuff. I might just, I don't, I can't explain why. It's, it's, it's not my area of science. <laughs> I just really like to talk about our forays into space. Now, I want to talk about the satellite that they're using. And I say satellite because they repeatedly show images of the same one lonely satellite over and over again. Am I wrong about this? I, I don't know. Again. I wasn't. I'm eating pretzels with the mic <laughs> muted. I'm like listening to you like yeah. about the movies. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> it's the satellite that they show is lovely. And I know it was made by a company called Asylum FX. And I know that this company used a lot of historical references from museums to give it a good look. And that's cool. But unfortunately, it doesn't really make much sense. So I want to mention three things here. Appearance, location and access. Appearance, firstly. Yes, its general makeup is very satellite-y. It's got a good shape. It's got all the shiny bits. It's got solar panels coming out. It's got a comms antenna. But you know what else it has, Frida? It has what a, else? It has a big swanky looking radio dish. Do you oh. see a problem here? But go on. Where's the fucking camera? That's taking all these fucking pictures. Oh, they're showing a photo and it's like a radio, it's like a receiver. But this is this is a fun thing. Let's speak about position. Mm-hmm. Now, at one point they're using this radio satellite to <laughs> conduct facial recognition. They're looking at Robert Dean and Brill on the roof. And one of the James Redhorn says that the satellite is 155 miles above the Earth. Okay, let's talk about this. That's about 250 kilometers for most, like for us in the metric system. First of all, 250 kilometers is just barely touching low Earth orbit. It would actually be in what's classed as super low Earth orbit, which is very unstable. It's great for getting good images if they did have a camera secreted on this uh, satellite somewhere and quick communication. So that would make it like make kind of sense for what they're doing. But it would have a very narrow field of view and it would only be able to focus on an area for a short period of time. Do you want to know how short a period of time? Yeah, how short? We calculate circular orbital velocity using uh, V equals the square root of G, which is a gravitational constant, times the mass of the object time uh, divided by the radius. So it's the mass of the Earth and then the radius uh, from the center of the Earth to the point where the where you want your satellite to orbit. So you determine what velocity you need to be going at in order to maintain that orbit. 
So we can calculate if they're trying to be 250 kilometers above the Earth to maintain that distance, they would need to be traveling at an orbital speed of approximately 27,900 kilometers per hour, which gives an orbital period around the Earth of 89 minutes, meaning that this one satellite would only be in range of the area they are looking at for 10 minutes max at a time. (laughs) Now, if they want to look at an area for longer, then they would need to be using a network of satellites, Mm -hmm. which means that they need to be able to piggyback on multiple satellites to do what they're doing. So every time it goes out of range, they're jumping into a new satellite. That one goes out of range, they jump into a new satellite. Wow. Um, And all with the same, and all the satellites will have to have the same communication capabilities um, that they're trying to use and they're all doing this while flying under the radar of legitimate work. Now, I guess they could be hacking them, but I'm pretty sure at the start that they talk about, as you just said, having access to a dedicated satellite under the guise of like maybe a training op or something like that. But I just, you couldn't possibly do what you're doing with one satellite mm. in the scope that they're doing it. Yeah, they say it as if they're like, oh, get me a dedicated satellite like that, like that's enough. But it has to yeah. orbit Earth. And, and you've calculated that it's every 90 minutes. So every 90 yeah. minutes, or like, they'd have 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, thanks so much for calculating that. That is satisfying. <laughs> no. Because then I was trying to think and I was like, well, bullshit. how are they? Well, because even, like, the GPS, it's like, you can't even do GPS in that way. Because GPS has to, like, the only way they could maintain... The only way they could have a dedicated satellite is if they had a satellite that's in geostationary orbit, right? Which is like 20,000 miles above or something. Um, so, okay, fine, then you could have it. But then you would have nowhere near the same level of resolution or like um, yeah. connection. And you'd have all these delays in your connections. And then even to do GPS, like GPS uses a, uses four satellites. That's right. It's triangulation or four is not a triangle. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. So I guess they could use those for the GPS, but then is the signal reaching? Well, I suppose it could be like we've got trackers these days and stuff like or just my Fitbit manages to figure out where the fuck I am. <laughs> so, you know, like that's fine. But it's like that what they're saying isn't that they're using something in geostationary orbit and they're not saying that they're using those satellites they they're using something that's much lower to the ground so what they're using gives the maybe may give the resolution but it can't mm. do you can't do it with one satellite it's not possible the gps one it could not be to do with their their dedicated satellite the gps one just gives off the global position yeah. the coordinates and then they're just able to read that that could be just another thing but the to take images and to follow them with images from a satellite they kind of continuous surveillance it's impossible yeah that whole also that whole scene in the park right you know the way they're staring down at them when there's that whole surveillance scene they've got the people going around them i love that where there's like everyone has to be a bit you know you're going out of space you've got to come in a bit closer yeah like that's great that's but even at that with the satellite if they're using that satellite and we're saying it has a camera and we're saying it's within range and it's just staying up there and it's fine. Um, even with that satellite, whenever they move, it depends on what the range is of what area they're able to look at to that level of resolution. And whenever they move and if they need to move the satellite, that takes like, that's not like you can't just, it's not like just shift holding a camera and turning it like, that's you got to map in new coordinates you got to send them up you got to wait for it to realign like it's it's Mm. madness 
Isn't it? It's so much interesting to watch, like the scene where they were surveilling them in the park, where they were explaining the limitations of the technology. If you're facing them, you can pick it up. Like if you're not facing them, you can't pick it up. It's so much interesting watching them problem solve with the limits of the technology than it is watching them having technology, which is like this blue sky thing that there's no issues and they have every available resource. It's less interesting and less engaging in general. It's so much more interesting if they would have just said, Every 89 minutes, we start ten. We start the clock, it's 10 minutes we have. Yeah. Or, you know, every time we have to shift, it takes us two minutes. Therefore, he's on the run. Therefore, like, like if they had put that in there, I think that it would have been more interesting. But also, mm. maybe it would have become too techy. And the movie yeah. was not about that. It was about his desperation, yeah. not necessarily about the technology. So, like, it would be a totally different movie if they were, like, super accurate about all that stuff. And they just were like, whatever, we can surveil him. That's the point. Yeah. Um. The point is that he is on the run um but it is yeah in general like the park scene was great that was such a good scene like Mm -hmm. i'm not mad about the satellite thing i just have a real nerd on for i know satellites for some reason so i just had to look at it but uh that was really interesting i knew i could trust you i knew i trust you i also (laughs) loved the bit i loved the like spy bit of the line that you draw in the post box that bill has to fit in and and that that it's going to be under this seat like that shit i love that spy stuff that stuff is really interesting old-fashioned spy techniques yeah Proper, proper, it. real, under the radio. Yeah, that doesn't rely on technology. That doesn't, you know, yeah, that's smart, smart stuff. So are there 100 spy satellites? How many spy satellites are staring down at us? Because in the movie, they say 100. Did you know? Oh, I don't know. Because do we know? Can we know? We can't. We no, you're right. There's no way to know. Brill mm. knows. <laughs> Brill knows. <laughs> um. We we didn't really mention the Italian people, but that whole that well, kind of, if, yeah. is that is that something that might be about to come up? Because if it hasn't, if it's not about to come up for you, it's not coming up for me. It's not about to come up for me, but that, then that we actor, need to talk about that final scene. We need scene. to talk about that's <laughs> the, the Italian actors Tom Sizemore. But when they come in and his whole family is like eating spaghetti with his like sons and his wife and they're all eating spaghetti. Oh, Did you make the videotape? Did you make the videotape? Oh, I always thought you bought it, and I you still think I think it's very clever. I think that whole thing it's... about the tape and the other tape and the confusion and him bringing them into that room and the FBI it's watching. So smart. I think it's good. But that shootout. Yeah. Oh, oh, I like it. He's under the table so scared. Everyone's dying. No, but it's just, it's like, it's the longer, it, it's just, I feel like Tarantino. in reality, one person shoots, a couple of other people shoot, and then it's done. But that, it was like, in my brain, I can't remember what it really looks like, but in my brain, it's this eternal shaky camera strobe lighting thing, and it's everyone's faces just going, ah! It's like everyone's, a free shot in everyone's face. The guns are going. It's just like, and everything is shaking, and and they're like, it's just, it's like, it's like the end of. I don't. I feel like it would be like the end of Godfather or something. You know, like there's opera music playing in the background. Everyone's just like, Scarface. I totally. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. Oh, so good. Yeah. But let's it let's was. move on because it's time. I think because. You just said that yeah. and it reminds me of my what the fuck, actually. Okay, cool. <laughs> Which is uh, something at the end of the movie. So let's play some music. What the, 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 what the
what the fuck? All right. When I when I I first thought that I was there's gonna be nothing in this movie that would make me say what the fuck impossible. <laughs> but something. there are there's a couple. I have actually two, but why don't you? I have one little one, which is just John Voight having milk before bed. <laughs> like what the fuck did he fuck? Hey, I have cereal before bed, and sometimes if I don't have cereal, I have milk. It helps me. He's sleep. having a glass of milk like with his much younger wife before bed anyway um it's weird but abby did you have a something in this movie make you say what the fuck so mine is the bit in the tunnel when he's running when he's busted out of the ambulance and he's trying to escape them and he's running through the tunnel and then he gets into like some other part of the tunnel which is like a rainwater part and he's running and they're chasing him, but they're in a car. They've somehow managed to drive into the rainwater tunnel, which I don't understand how they did that. But then also that's underneath the road somehow, but he came in off the side. So then he climbs up the ladder, but the cars crash. There's two of them and then they manage to crash, but he manages to just get up off the ladder, even though all these guys have guns. And he manages to jump out of the manhole cover onto this really, really busy road where nobody hits him and he gets away. And then the bad guy tries to come up because they didn't use their guns for some reason when they could have just shot him and he would have fallen back down. But then they come up and they look up, but then there's too many cars and they can't possibly go and their heads could have been chopped off. And I was just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) Oh, God. I actually forgot to mention I love the I love the the camera tunnel guy. I love how they call into all these different people for the info, but the the guy with the tunnel surveillance, I kind of like that guy too. Yeah, um, you're so right. There's <laughs> there there are there are movies where people run around in 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 rainwater drains that are much better than this movie, like the Fugitive <laughs> and the Third Man, but not this one. <laughs> Oh my god, you're so funny. Right, I'll give you my what the okay, fuck. Okay, that was mine. Yeah, tell me yours, please. <clears throat> okay, at the end of the movie, Will Smith is looking, he's turning on his TV, and he sees himself looking straight ahead, directly at the TV. Yeah. But he keeps looking up as if oh. the camera is in the smoke detector. <laughs> How could the camera be in the smoke detector? The shot isn't from above, it's directly in front of him. But no, <laughs> and yet, he, he looks at himself, and then he looks up at the smoke, he's like, hey, smoke detector. He looks at himself, and then he does it again looks up at the smoke detector and he keeps looking from the smoke detector to himself even though clearly the camera is directly like on him it's like on the tv what the fuck i didn't even clock it at all <laughs> like not at all did i clock killed that me. one Jesus. killed me kill me all right oh that's fantastic I've well done I don't know. It's a really good movie. Though. It's a good movie, but... Yeah, just... no, it, it is. It's... it's a really good movie, but we can still laugh at the stupid shit. And that's, I'm kind of excited, to um, because we had a bit of a final verdict renaissance where we started to be a little bit more... A um, little bit more diligent about our ratings. I'm excited. Yeah. But first, did the movie pass the Bechtel test? Well, we're changing this, aren't we? But I still have oh, yeah. a name for it. Should Could we they... do a little... Should I do a brief little recap on on can what be, the conditions are? Can they be are? switched genders? Uh, so it's is is there more than one female character? Well, yes, there is, but there's only two, and there's sixteen men. I did the count. Well, sixteen male, the female characters, lead men, and two female characters. Both of them have a romantic connection to our hero. 
Yeah. So do they have dialogue that is not focused on a man? No, they don't. No. Uh, could there be a role? Could their role be played by a man? No, it couldn't. No. Uh, and lastly, is the female character there in her own right? Does she have her own story? No. No. So no, it did not pass the whatever this test is that I'm calling. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't have a name for it. <laughs> Need to come up with a name for it. Any suggestions? Welcome. The Sam. Um, I'll come up with. I'll come up with one for the next one. Yeah, I was thinking the Sam's test. Sam's Will test. I do that. No, we'll call it Sam's test. Sam's test. Let's just yeah, do the there Sam's we go. Test. It's the Sam's Done. test. All right. Next question. Did it pass the Here Comes the Science? Uh, no. I agree. I think no. I think yeah. that they fucked up a lot of science. Yeah. Well, you've just take us through why the satellite thing is not possible. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, the whole image reconstruction thing. thing is just total bullshit. Which yeah. brings us to what are we? <clears throat> how many satellites out of five do we give it? three yeah i'm pretty three about it too actually i feel Mm. pretty three about it because i was gonna be like 2.8 just to penalize it a little bit more but i'll do a three yeah i agree just because that's just sort of where it's sitting oh i feel like even lower because it's kind of a very laughable lot of it yeah i might go 2.8 no well because the thing is, I think like we just uh, just to remind people, like we're not scoring on whether we th- we like the movie or think it's a good movie. We're scoring based on like the criteria that we're trying to apply to it in terms of the science and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. I really enjoy the movie. But if we look at it from a science perspective, then, yeah. Yeah, it's laughable. I love lower. the science. Yeah. Car- I love Brill. But um, mm. yeah, no, it's a bit of it. It's 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 a good it's a really good action movie. Um Yeah. Okay, so that was my pick of the movie. And is so it silly excited. time? It is silly What's time. What's a silly I'm so movie? Excited. Oh my god, Come I'm so on excited. Then. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have been waiting to do this movie. Ah. The reason I have been waiting to do this movie, Frida, if you mm-hmm. recall, back around October, we did a mini series called Science at the Slashers. And we watched a movie called Happy Death Day. Oh, hey. And there is a sequel to Happy Death Day called Happy Death Day to You. And I specifically told you, do not watch this movie until I pick it. Because I will be picking it. And I'm picking it. Yes. So I can't say anything more about it because I cannot spoil it for you in any way. So I'm going to say we're doing Happy Death Day to You is the next movie. It is so fun. Watch it. And it is also, just FYI, so you can prep, the perfect movie to bring back our acronym challenge. Yes, and also it's on Netflix, isn't it? It is, so I already good. checked. <laughs> Can't wait. Amazing. <gasps> yes. So that was Enemy of the State. Um, that was really fun. Next um, next time is in two weeks. Happy death day to you. Ooh. And we're starting a new miniseries. Starts next week. <gasps> yes. And that's our miniseries. Can you remind me what's the theme called? What's the adaptation, dude? The miniseries is, it's called Nothing is Real Except the Sheep. And we are doing movie adaptations of Philip K. Dick novels. And next week we start with the OG Golden Goose. That is Blade Runner. Unbelievable. So amazing. We're, we're kicking off our cycle day one. Um, <laughs> and please get in touch with us if you want to get in touch with us. Uh, science at the movies at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at science at the movies. Alternatively, we're on Twitter at movies underscore science. Yeah, well done. And 
leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love hearing uh, our fun reviews. And uh, that's it. That's all from me. And me. We'll see you next time. And that's definitely all from me. Is it all from you, though? Yes. It's all from you as well. All right. It's all from (laughs) both of us. Okay. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Pretzels. Now I gotta put the bugs in my phone inside a chip packet yep. so I can go for a round of golf. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>